0: Good to see you guys again. If you're new with us, we started a new series. How's my sound? Is it all right? Okay. Thank you. Uh, If you start hearing a clicking that's annoying you, will you tell me? It might be my earrings, so I'll take my earrings out. (laughs) Seriously, so if it starts clicking, let me know, and I'll take those out. Uh, They're just, you know, gospel's more important than the earrings. It does trump everything the Lord says. Okay, so we started a new series a few weeks ago that we entitled, Things Can Change. Everything in a split second can shift toward the trajectory of the beautiful life that God wrought for us on the cross. Everything. I don't think it's a stretch to believe that every one of us desire, crave even, abiding peace that is not shaken by the storms of life. Everyone craves love so powerful that it conquers our fears, our anxieties, our inabilities, our mountains, our valleys, His love is so powerful that when we embrace him fully, he truly can be the savior and the king who does the impossible. He does the impossible. So what's the problem with you and me? Why are we not experiencing? the abundant, glorious life that Jesus has to offer, that cost him his his blood? Why are we not experiencing it? Could it be that we are holding God at bay in some areas of our life? Could it be there are areas that we are not trusting him? We trust him with this, but are we trusting him with everything? Are we settling for mud pies in the slum when we could have a seaside vacation? Are we trying to fill the empty spot that's in us by God's design that only he can fill? Are we trying to fill it with everything but him? C.S. Lewis puts it this way. It might come. There it is. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. Family, we all, we all come with our insides messed up. Every one of us is swimming in the mud of some sort. But God has the cure. And the cure is a person. And the person's name is Yeshua. It's Jesus. And his mission and his message are urgent, which is why we chose the Gospel of Mark to unpack this series. Because Mark's gospel is about action. It's about taking God's invitation. And when he invites us into his life, don't delay. Say yes immediately. Mark uses the Greek word euthos, E-U-T-H-U-S, 45 times in 16 very short chapters. He's trying to get us to understand something. Euthos means Act without, de- act without delay. Act immediately. Right now, it means. Some of you are taking notes. That's E-U-T-H-U-S. Some of us like those interpretations of those Greek words, don't we? It's important to pay attention to uh, when you're reading the Bible, especially. This is, you know, the ancient Near East, right? We were talking about uh, books that were written thousands of years ago, and... Uh, when an author would use a word over and over again, he was trying to, to get us to pay attention. That's what, that, it's a literary tool that those authors used. So Mark's uh, telling us that faith without action is dead. is really what he's saying. Same as James. We can say we believe, but how does God know we, will be, we believe? John 14, if you, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if you obey me, my Father and I will love you and we will reveal ourselves to you. John 14, it's a beautiful chapter. 14, 15, and 16, it's a Trinitarian section of the scriptures. And it is spelled out very clearly by Christ. He says, you want more revelation than obey me. It's connected to revelation. So Mark's message is clear. He's talking about the triune God. He's saying when the triune God knocks on our heart and whispers, follow me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way up and through your circumstance that you're dealing with right now. I am the way up and through your fear and your insecurity and what seems to be impossible. So don't delay. We need to follow the lead of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esther and Ruth and King David and Andrew and Peter and Paul and John and act without delay when Jesus invites us into his kingdom. For some of us, that means taking an invitation for the very first time today. You're here in an opportune time. Jesus brought you here to offer the gospel and the good news, to offer himself, to offer us what our deepest need is, and that is forgiveness of our sin. Most of us came here already making that decision, maybe yesterday or 40 years ago, and God is calling us to come in further, further into his rule and reign, further into his kingdom. When you hear the term kingdom of God, what it means is the rule and the reign of God. That's what it means. It's where he's sovereign. And he's saying to us, if you embrace the king, you've got to embrace kingdom ethics. If you embrace the king, you've got to embrace the kingdom. I believe that this is a Kairos season. You're going to hear that a lot over the next few weeks. We believe that this is... a there is a urgency in the atmosphere if you will. You feel it? There's an urgency about where we are. And the urgency is to take God at his word. Take him as your savior and your king. Kairos season means a window of opportunity. It, it's a a word that means a specific time within the continuum of time. So like a spaceship that goes out into space, and when it comes back into Earth's atmosphere, it has to come back within a very specific window of time, or it doesn't come back. So it's an urgent message. This is a Cairo season, and the Lord is stirring, stirring, stirring the pot, <laughs> and he's saying, follow me, follow me. I've got so much to give you. I've got so much help. I've got peace and joy and, and a life that's abundant and full with purpose. So we're going to pray. We're going to pick up in the chapter 3 of Mark. And before we do, I'm going to pray, and then I'll give a, just a little bit of context. So would you bow your heads and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this family. Thank you so much for everyone here in person and watching online. And we pray God that your word would pierce our hearts, confront our thinking, and that you would do what only you can do, Jesus. You're the teacher. Do what only you can do and talk to each heart exactly where you want to talk to them about today. We trust you to do that. In Jesus' all-powerful name we pray. Amen. Okay, so before we pick up in Mark chapter 3, um, the context, and, and, and the context is going to be the same every weekend because the context of Mark is about the kingdom, and it's about Jesus' inaugural address in chapter 1 when Jesus showed up and said, The time is fulfilled. God's kingdom is arriving. The long-awaited Messiah is here. He's saying, I'm it. (laughs) So repent and believe the good news. So the king has arrived, and with him, the kingdom of God. And so what does the kingdom of God look like? Well, it looks like healings. It looks like exorcisms. It looks like the message is so anointed and has so much authority on it that people are amazed at Jesus' teachings. Because he's not credentialed. In the world's eyes, he's not. And they're amazed at the authority and the anointing of his teachings. And so mass crowds are are all around him all the time. There's so many people around Jesus that he doesn't have time to sleep. He doesn't have time to eat. He doesn't have time to hang out with Mary and the sisters and brothers. And they're pretty miffed about that. In their eyes, in his own family's eyes, he's making a spectacle of himself. And they're not happy about that. You're making a spectacle of yourselves. You're making a spectacle of my family, of our family. That is really serious in Hebraic thinking, in Jewish thought. So that's where we're going to pick up today. That's the context of where we're headed. Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, and in a few more verses we'll find out that that included his mom Mary. When his mother or when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Family and dealing with the all-powerful all-knowing, transcendent, infinite person who is God, we are never, ever in charge. <laughs> we are never in control. And yet we try to take back control, don't we? We try to control things, and the, 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 the tighter the grip that we take and the tighter th- uh, things that we try to control, the less control we have. And the more that we get to know Jesus who he is, the more we want him to take charge, the more we want him to be in utter control of our life. So Jesus' own family, Mary included, did not yet understand Jesus' mission and message. They didn't yet understand what it really meant when Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. Their paradigm didn't have space for the gospel that he was preaching. It was offensive to them. It was embarrassing, even. even. So they did what we sometimes do with Jesus and his scripture. We dismiss it as irrelevant. He can't mean that. It's 2022. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and so is his word. They labeled him a madman of some sort. His brothers and sisters and his mother labeled him a madman. They went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. And that's what we do sometimes, label him as a madman. And really, we have to to come to terms with he either is a madman or he is the son of God. Because he's a real historical figure, and whether you believe in Jesus as your Savior or not, he's a real historical figure. And he went to the cross, and he died a horrible, horrific, excruciating death. So he's either a madman, or he's the Son of God who shed his blood for us. Hmm. Or they brought, which we do all the time too, their own interpretation of Scripture, of what they thought the Scripture said, what they thought the Torah, the Old Testament said. Because Mary was a follower of God. She loved God. We know that. The apostles loved God. But they were misinterpreting Scripture. They thought the Son of God was coming back to unseat the Roman government and take down the political party. Some of us need to hear that 2022. He didn't come for that. What did he, what did he come to do? What, he brought the sword and what did his sword look like? A cross. And he did come to unseat a government and it was the government of the evil one. And he did it. He unseated the evil one on our behalf So they brought a helping hand to the word of God, to the word made flesh, and said, Jesus, this is really what you mean by this scripture, right? And he's saying, no, this is what I mean. Jesus is the word made flesh, right? So we're not going to tell the word actually made flesh what the word means. We need him to tell us what it means. Our understanding of God and his kingdom is limited. But he wants to enlarge the capacity of our heart to know him, doesn't he? He wants us to understand the scripture. He wants us to wrestle with the scripture. But it's still limited, and it will be until he comes back. Sometimes our understanding of God and his word is is inaccurate. And in some cases, it is dead wrong. Just like it was for them. We need to allow Jesus to correct our thinking and be lifelong learners. If I had not allowed Jesus to change my mind about women being pastor, teachers, and hold an office gift in the church... I wouldn't have fulfilled the very calling that God had on my life. I would have been walking away from the very thing that Jesus created me to do. And I used to believe that. Because I heard someone's misinterpretation of what God was saying in the scripture about that. And I wrestled with it myself. Jesus These people around me, a Catholic priest was the first one that said to me, you are called to teach in the body of Christ. And I'm like, a Catholic priest? I'm like, I I can't. I'm a woman, and I'm Catholic. (laughs) How's that going to work, Jesus? Oh, he said, okay, well, we're going to talk about how that's going to work. And so I wrestled with that. And, uh, you know, I searched the scriptures out. And I became a voracious reader of the scriptures uh, for a lot of reasons, and that was one of them. So he changed my mind about that. Oh, I'm so glad he did. You know, when you find your sweet spot, it is like warm butter. All just that's what it's like to to walk in the calling of your life. Yeah, it is. That was for somebody because that wasn't in my notes. God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And we just need to get comfortable with this fact. We are going to be offended on this journey by Christ himself. We are going to struggle when he says, forgive the person who harmed you. We are going to struggle. In fact, we're going to want to run for the hills, really, from the madman who laid down his life and and said, pick up the cross, and then he said, okay, as I do, you do. So he's saying, follow me in the fellowship of my sufferings. What? I didn't sign up for suffering. Yeah, you did. But let me tell you something. There is something unbelievable and unbelievably beautiful about the suffering for Christ because what's happening is we're learning to die to this carnal flesh. And as we die to that carnal flesh, as we die to our own silly, ridiculous thinking and pick up that scripture and let it offend me, let it cause friction. And what happens is i all of a sudden say, oh, Jesus, sign me up. <laughs> I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. And if that means picking up my cross daily, if that means suffering for you, I'll do it, Lord. Because I'm so in love with the one who loves me so much. Out of, out of desire, not duty. That, that's what the Lord has for us. We, we kind of start out, you know, all excited when we first say yes, don't we? And then life just throws stuff and at us, and you know, gosh, I got diapers to change and uh, kids to raise, and you know, gosh, I got to go to seminary now, God? What? That's suffering. <laughs> <laughs> but suffering for Christ is the way that we're going to find Him in deep, deep, deep ways, deep calls to deep. Hmm. I tell you, the things I've learned more, when I I have suffered, you guys heard me in December talking about losing my first husband, becoming a widow, and what my children had to go through. I wasn't prepared for that. That was a real struggle. But it was in that struggle and in every struggle of my life that when I'm offended by God, if I will just fall on him, not run from him, just fall on him and say, I do not understand and I am mad, he can take it. Read the Psalms if you don't think you, that, that Jesus can take being mad. I love the Psalms because David just says, "You what? You've forsaken me? You've left me? And then he, then he ends, but I love you anyway. <laughs> I love you anyway. In in the struggles of our life, where we are offended is where God, I promise, will reveal more of his beautiful character. It's it's the Exodus story. It's it's the, the controlling narrative of the whole scripture in Exodus and the Old Testament. Read Exodus. If you want to understand the New Testament, read Exodus. Because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So the Exodus story, we see the Israelites really messed up, don't we? They've been delivered from Egypt, and they're complaining, and God brings them to impossible situations. Why? To teach them who he is. I am the God that will make the sea part. The thing that's right in front of you right now is impossible. He's the way maker. But we won't learn that unless we're bumped up to struggle. I get pretty passionate about this. And here's why. Because Jesus keeps showing up in my life when I don't deserve it. And he keeps showing himself more and more beautiful With everything in me, I long for everyone to know this Jesus. I've learned the hard way. I'm one of those hard-headed type A personalities. I just drove my mother crazy. I was a rebel. Jesus saved me. From myself. If you don't hear another thing I say today, <clears throat> please hear this. Godly friction and dissatisfaction are gifts from God. They are kairos opportunities in the making. Pay attention when you're feeling irritated or dissatisfied. Because there's a strong possibility that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to a change of direction. It could be a a change of job. It could be a change of location. It certainly certainly is about transformation from the inside out, always. And it definitely will not make sense. (laughs) Here's how... If, God tell, if I hear this little voice in my head, and I, you know, let, let, let me say this. Jesus talks to us with the equipment he gave us. We don't have to wear foil. <laughs> he, he talks to us with the equipment he gave us. And so there'll be intersecting thoughts. You'll be washing the dishes, and all of a sudden you'll hear this thought, and you're going, what? Where'd that come from? Jesus, is that you? Mm-hmm. the scripture, it, I mean, it's a love letter. <laughs> he certainly talks to us through his word. It's the word. He certainly talks to us through our emotions. He gave us our emotions. They're not to master us. We're to master, you know, right? But he talks to us through it. Like when I'm feeling like compassion, Like, it's welling up in me. Like, when I'm writing teachings and I'm just crying my eyes out because Jesus is convicting me. That's why I love being a teacher, because you're constantly getting convicted. Because you're searching out the scriptures to teach, and so you're like, oh, I'm a mess, Lord. (laughs) Wow. God wants to take us and lead us into his atmosphere. It's an opportune time. And what happens in his atmosphere? The impossible becomes possible. And it won't make sense. Back to that. My mind went someplace else. Let's scroll around there. Let me give you a couple examples. <clears throat> My son's here today. He's got a McPherson. Is that his name? Yeah, that, that awesome guy that plays for the Bengals. The kicker, you know, the stud, yeah. Christopher doesn't know I'm going to share this, but it's okay with you, I'm sure. (laughs) Do I have permission? Okay. Several years ago, and I'm back to the irritation thing, friction. That's where I'm at right now. Come back with me. His wife, my beautiful daughter-in-law, right from Jesus, and I mean that, was pregnant with her first son, Beckett, my beautiful grandbabies right there. <laughs> she was pregnant with Beckett, and he was working at a place I, I will not mention, in case you work there, and it was not, it was not a good place. It was very toxic. But he was making good money and he's, you know, married and baby on the way, insurance to pay for the baby, right? And he calls me like a good son to talk through and let me know he's quitting his job. And he's taking a job for $9 an hour. And I said, You're out of your mind. You're a madman. I didn't use the word madman. But I said, you're out of your mind. Honey, you can't raise a family on $9. Time. Okay, fine. Just move back in. Mom will take care of you guys. Right? I didn't say that, but I wanted to. And he said, Mom, I am telling you with everything in me, Jesus won't let go of me on this. He's t- I-, I believe with all of my heart. That this place I'm headed to for $9 an hour is an opportune time that God's going to do something. I don't know what it is. And I know it doesn't make sense. But I am you've taught me, Mom, to step out in faith. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to step out on faith and believe that my son is hearing from Jesus. Of course he is. Jesus is talking to us all the time. He uses the equipment he gave us. So... You know, he'll give us this compassion or give us this nudge, this friction, this irritation, this dissatisfaction with where we are. And I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to go back to school. I've got something planned for you you don't know about. Or I want you to quit this job and trust me. And I am telling you, you cannot believe the opportunity that God has given this beautiful young man of mine at that job started at nine dollars an hour and it's 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 much more than that now <laughs> and he loves it he's doing what he was gifted to do and now it's opened up opportunities for his unbelievable creative wife to do what she's called to do but it but it did not make sense but he took that step of faith and said, okay, Lord, I'm obeying you. And then God opened up the wide open spaces. My twin sister, I have an identical twin, so if you see someone out there acting like a fool, it isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> My identical twin looks just like me except for her hair's long. A few years ago, she, she's an attorney, and a few when <clears throat> she... few years ago when she was pregnant with her uh, son Connor um, she was on partnership track and she felt like the Lord said you're going to be a partner here and then she started feeling this irritation inside of her friction 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 and she's like God what what so she sat down that's important to do too take some time really honestly and read your Bible get a journal out Wrestle with God. Just sit down, folks. Get away from the Xbox. Get away from CNN, Fox News, and sit down with Jesus. So she sits down with Jesus. She's got her journal out. And she's like, God, what is going on inside? Why am I feeling so dissatisfied? What's, what do you want to talk to me about? And he said, I want you to go part-time. And she said, no, you you can't want me to go part-time. That would be giving up the partnership track. You you, you don't get partnership as part-time attorney. This is a big law firm. They're, you know, you might at the smaller ones, but the big ones, you know, they just don't hand that stuff out, you know. That's one of the problems with those big places. So she wrestled with God over that and then she obeyed. She went part-time to take care of her precious Connor. And about six months later, the managing partner and managing board came to her and said, we're making you partner. First time and last time it's ever happened to that firm. God made the impossible possible because she obeyed. I mean, she might not have made partner, right? The thrill and the joy comes from obedience. Jesus just threw that in as a bonus. Here's the partnership. Those are Kairos moments, opportunities, and young people, oh, my gosh. Jesus is all over your lives, giving you ample opportunity all the time. He's talking to you. He'll talk to you, you know, in your car. He'll talk to you when you're listening to music. If you'll just stop and pay attention, playing the drums, whatever, he's going to talk, talk, talk to you. And he's going to give you the courage and the faith, and we just loose it over this Anybody under 30, I just loose new courage over you to share Jesus with your friends. I lose it over all of you. I, I needed to. But I have such a, uh, there's something going on with me lately with these, this generation. I, I just feel very, very called to pray constantly for them and intercede. Maybe because I have two grandsons, I don't know. But, all right, we're going to pick back up and read a few more verses and close. Mark 3, 31 through 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. Remember I said, Mary and brothers, that's where I got it, right there in the scriptures. <clears throat> then Jesus' mother brother came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mom and your brothers are outside, they're asking for you. Remember, they were coming to take charge of him. Jesus said, this is a shocking, shocking part of scripture. Jesus replied, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, these are my mother. These are my brothers and sisters. Anyone who does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. Talk about friction. That's friction on steroids from the Son of God. If we don't read verses 34 and 35 as deeply shocking, we are not getting God's message. This is shocking. Jesus' mission is unlike any other, and it will involve what he's saying is my mission is unlike anybody else's, and it's going to involve utter and complete allegiance to the Father. Anyone who does God's will is in the family, and he wants complete allegiance, not because he's a control freak, because he wants to love us in the wholeness. That's why. Let me say this. Some people really have an issue with this, and we should. We should really be—friction should be caused by that statement— What Jesus is not doing is he's not disowning his family. We know that, right? He's not disowning them. He is, however, blowing up yet another inaccurate, dead, wrong understanding of him and his kingdom. That's what he's doing there. Last week, he was blowing up the the misinterpretation of what the Sabbath is supposed to be, remember? This week, he's blowing up family origin in the scripture. What he's saying that is unthinkable to the Jew, especially in the first century, just because you're a descendant of Abraham doesn't mean you're part of God's family. Paul really helps us with that in in the book of Romans. Just because you're a descendant of Abraham does not mean you are part of God's family. N.T. put... T. Wright, one of my favorite Bible scholars, puts it this way. God is doing the unthinkable. He is starting a new family, a new holy people. In other words, the church is the new Israel. And he's doing so without regard to ordinary human family bonds. That's what he's doing right there with that statement. So he's not disowning his family, but he's saying... This good news, this person, God the Son, is for every tongue, tribe, and nation. And it was in the Old Testament. They just missed it. Jesus had to straighten them out on that one. As I was writing that down, that, that quote from N.T. Wright, I was thinking how important it is for all of us to try to interpret the scripture starting with, always, always starting with the meta narrative. The, the grand story, the, the context of all of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, we have to understand the larger context every time we pick up scripture and there's lots of ways to describe what that is i love dallas willards so i'm going to put it up on the or somebody's going to put it up on that screen for me god's aim this is the larger context of every page you turn in scripture every word that you get this is what you need to shine the light on. Write this down, take a picture of it. This is a beautiful description, sh- and in fact, one of the shortest sentences, because I could talk about the meta narrative for hours. Don't get me started. God's aim in human history is the creation of an all inclusive community of loving persons, with God Himself as the primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant love that. that's what he's doing from Genesis to Revelation he's saying I'm going to restore everything that was lost at the fall I'm going to form a new family the family is the church and at my second coming I'm going to finish what I started I'm going to recreate the cosmos and you know we're going to live here on this planet right? you, you, do, you do know that right He's recreating the cosmos, and this earth is going to be exactly what it was supposed to be before the fall, and we're going to walk with God in person. He's that glorious inhabitant. <laughs> he's going to live. He, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, and we're going to do this thing in person. That's what he's saying. That's how you read the Scripture. Scripture. If you read the scripture remembering the larger context, it's going to keep you away from all kinds of silliness and wrong doctrine and okay? Keep that in the forefront of your mind. God is forming a loving family, you and me. And we get to live with him in person on earth. The new Jerusalem's coming here. Read Revelation. The narrative of the Bible centers on coming out of orphanhood and entering back into the community of the triune God. In Christ, we are spiritually adopted, we're rejoined to our Heavenly Father, in whom we find unconditional love, everlasting security, deep fulfillment, and authentic connection to a family. The moment we make the turn toward him, what's he doing? Running towards us, the prodigal son. The father was running to the prodigal, (laughs) he's running to meet us with love and compassion and forgiveness and a family and though we are imperfect and I know we are imperfect I'm imperfect, you're imperfect but we are an essential part of God's plan so those who are thinking that the church is so sick and stupid and they should stay away are not reading the Bible they're not cooperating with the full plan because Folks, we're plan A and there is no plan B. And this is where it all happens. So we can go out there and make disciples. Everybody wants safety, everybody wants comfort, everybody wants faithfulness. And the power of the kingdom includes being vitally connected to a local church. We're not, we're not wired to do this alone. We're not wired at all to do this alone by our creator. I mean, he's a community of persons. Of course, he's going to want us to be in the community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is a community of persons. One God, three persons. So that's in our DNA. I need what Sherry Mullane has. I need what Chris Durkholz has. I need what Susan Shantz has. How am I going to get it if I'm not hanging out with you guys? Because Jesus dispensed the gifts, Right? We are the body, and he is the head, and the body's been filled with gifts from the Holy Spirit. Jesus longs to bring us into safe harbor of his presence. He is here to free us from the chains of trauma, abandonment, harsh words, abuse, and the muck, mud, and mire of our poor choices. We're going to end with this. This is is a Kairos moment. I believe the Holy Spirit is powerfully here to heal deep wounds. To enable us to forgive those who have harmed us. Empower us to throw all of our chips on his side of the table. And to make the turn. And don't look back. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't look back. He's worth it. He's worth it. Would you stand? Thank you for being patient. I felt like, you know, there were some things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to go off the page, so I did. I just went with it. Will the prayer teams come up, please? May this be a year. I wrote this down. This is a blessing over this church. For those of you watching, may this be the year of landing in your sweet spot, that God has created just for you, because no matter what is happening around the globe, and I know it's crazy, we are, we are God's plan A, and dissatisfaction will always carry a stirring. To get back in the game. To jump in. Get connected to your local church. And start then your gifts. That God created you. Because we are. Part of the message and mission. We're going to dismiss. And we're going to have these prayer teams. And here's what I feel like the Lord wants to do. So if any of this connects with you right here. Would you come up for prayer? I mean, come up for prayer for whatever, even if I don't mention, you know, we'd love to pray around here because, you know, lightning strikes and Jesus, all bets are off when the Lord says, right? So that's how, did you know the primary means of extending God's kingdom in the earth is through prayer? It's really important. If you are feeling friction or dissatisfaction and you don't know why, Or maybe you do know why. Would you come up for prayer? If something is just eating at you, or you're just feeling like God wants to talk to me, but I'm not sure what he's saying, come up for prayer. Let Let us pray with you. If you are suffering from wounds of the past, and I might cry over this one because this one I welled up in big tears even. Writing it. If you are suffering from wounds of the past, you know, some of you didn't come from a loving family of origin. Some of you were abused, and you're keeping God at bay because you've assigned attributes of your parent to God, and He wants to heal you. Would you come up for prayer? If you've got wounds from someone in authority, whether it's a pastor, a teacher, a parent, he is here to empower you to forgive. Forgiveness will not take the memory away, but I promise you it will take the sting away. It'll take the sting. And you're stuck in the mud, and God wants to pull you out of there. He wants to help you forgive those who have harmed you. You know, the church is imperfect. We're going we're gonna to do stupid things. We're going to hurt one another. But we've got to forgive and move forward in unity. Some are caught up in a social network that is harming you. It's, it's pulling you away from Jesus. And, and you know it, but you are powerless to let these friends go, and Jesus wants to help you not that he doesn't want you to tell them about him but some of you are not telling you're you're doing what they're doing and it's killing you it's harming you and he wants to help you break off people places and things that are getting in the way of him and his work in you Let him love you into wholeness. You can go go right back out there and tell them, be a model to them if he he calls you there. Wherever we find ourselves, God wants each one of us to know we can trust him as the ultimate authority figure who loves us, approves us, and will never forsake us. Come on up for prayer. I love you and who day. Three o'clock, baby. Blessings.